Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Hello, one and all, and welcome back to the Drunken Car Reviewer. And as promised, today we're going to be reviewing two heavyweights that we all know and love. One we've only gotten to know recently and become pretty famous just instantly, and the other we've known for centuries and has been one of the most recognizable cars ever built. So, to start this off with, we have in one corner the brand, the old, the brand new young comer to the group. A car that's been recognizable for years but has vanished off the circuit recently and only recently has made a reappearance in a brand new fashion. It's combining speed, power, and general capabilities are far superior to its brethren. It has more technology than any car could possibly possess. We have the brand new Barocco. And in the other corner, a car that's been around since practically the dawn of man. It's been recognizable as one of the most recognizable, capable, and well-built off-road vehicles ever assembled. We have in the other corner, the Jeep now both Wrangler. Now both of these cars are very capable off-roaders. One maybe taps a bit more than the other, and one may be a little better on the road. We'll find that out today on this review of the Jeep Wrangler versus the Bronco. So let's start off with the Bronco, shall we? This brand new car was introduced well a year year ago, and it's already gotten huge amounts of fame and even larger amounts of orders. Everybody wants a freaking Bronco. The problem is nobody can get one. Orders for the Broncos have been backed up to the point where literally individuals will probably have to wait close to, eh, they're saying about maybe a year before you get your Bronco. So if you ordered yours, for example, last year, you're probably going to get yours maybe next year. Yep. Bit of a problem, I would say. But then all that aside, just talking about the truck itself, this is a very capable vehicle. It has some of the most largest and most broadening technology packages I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's got a disconnect system for the sway bar that you can use in the middle of a rock crawl. The problem is, compared to its competitor, the Jeep has to be at a level train. But let's all just get into how we're going to compare these cars first, shall we? Now, I decided I would take a price specking group. I would take the Jeep Rubicon, a pretty well-priced car, and uh, put it about $46,000 on the price. This was just simply to upgrade the engine to the 3.6 with the, not the manual, but the automatic transmission and with the fancy rock tree with the actual crawling case. The other one, I priced a Ford Bronco Badlands Edition because it was just a little too expensive for its comparison to the Wild Track and did something similar. I upgraded the engine in that and I added in the Sasquatch package. Now this, both of these vehicles are very capable. There's no doubt about that, but there's a few advantages to either one. So to start with, it's a little difficult to do with comparison with these things because the problem initially I found out when trying to price out these vehicles was one had a big advantage over the other, just to start off by well, looking at the order menu. And that was options. The Ford Bronco is in its first year, and naturally it's not gonna have every option on demand instantly available, and the fact that you can barely get these things to begin with makes it even harder to just throw in every option on demand. But compared to the Jeep, uh, it's a little difficult to compare because you can order almost three to four different options for the Jeep, especially if you're pricing out a Rubicon edition, compared to a Bronco's only two engine dog choices. And it, the Jeep 
options are very, very varied. You can order everything from a hybrid to a diesel to a gas regular inline four or V6. It's got a very wide powertrain options that allow practically every option available for anybody who's looking for something. Now, compare that though to the Bronco, with that being said, there are advantages to having the 2.7. Now, it's got a bit more power, a bit more torque, and generally is a pretty well-known engine for being in its power pickup trucks editions. But let's get to off-road capabilities first, shall we? Now, I priced these out both about $46,000, and one thing that came completely clear early on when ordering these Jeeps is that while the Jeep may not, doesn't exactly have all the, um, bells and whistles that I'm available to get on, for example, the Bronco. The Bronco has everything from a front and rear disconnect that can be used in the middle of a rock crawl to huge different high-low features that literally do it in the middle of driving. See, in the Jeep, you have to kind of manually adjust your high-low functions for high, too high, too low, but the problem is you have to do it all manually. Ford's trucks do that automatically, the Bronco does, so you don't have to bother if you don't want to messing with all the hand levers and everything else like that to get the Jeep to do what you burn case the Bronco to do what you want. That also being said, it has cool brake features on it as well. The Bronco has a feature where literally you can actually hit the brake and it has a one drive feature on the car. So for example, if you're riding down a hill, you don't need to be messing with brake, gas, brake, gas, brake, gas. You can simply let off the gas and the car will automatically brake for you. It takes a little getting used to out here, but I hear it's got its advantages. It also has a system where you can literally, it'll lock one of the tires on the car and not the other one the brakes, allowing you a tighter turn radius. But that's where we also come into problems with the Jeep. Now, Jeep is not left out of the dust here. They have new additions coming out, like the like the Recon, which competes with the Sasquatch, which has the higher tires and the better ground clearance. But Jeep is not left out about this. See, there's a reason why Bronco needs that kind of fancy gizmos to get the car to turn sharper, and that's because of size. Whether you like to admit it or not, Bronco is a big, big, big boy. It's a big truck. Huge, huge truck really for an off-roading capability vehicle. Usually off-road vehicles try to be small, tight, and compact to get tight turns and you don't end up meeting tree with fender. But the Jeep has a very tight turn radius, almost just as equal as the Bronco, and yet it's more narrow, meaning that the truck actually has better about the same departure angles without having the fancy gizmos needed to work it. Now one thing I'm worried about with the Bronco and these gizmos, and I'm gonna state it also with the interior parts, is reliability. Now these are first year trucks, and naturally they're gonna be some problems. And I can only imagine the more gizmos you throw into a truck, the more problems you have. There's a reason why Jeeps are as simple as they are. Because simply put, simple works. It's less work to mechanically maintain, and it's less work to have things break when things, something goes wrong. This is one thing that might prove problematic later on in the Broncos if, for example, it turns out that these are not as reliable as they initially thought to be. Now, this is all conjecture. It could be very reliable, but like I said, it's just more speculation. Now, the Jeep also, while not being this, it has all the fancy gizmos, it's still incredibly capable off-road. And despite consumer reports giving it a very low reliability rating bullshit, this thing feels like it literally can fall down the bottom of a mountain and still be held together. Its Dana suspensions are one of the most iconic suspension systems pretty much in the industry. They have been making axles for the Jeep since, well, forever almost, and they are the most durable things known to man. You can pretty much beat the crap out of these things, and they will still work like clockwork. And to be honest, while they say that the departure angle on the Jeep, for example, the sway bar disconnect, actually allows more articulation for the Bronco than the Jeep, I have found in recent videos and other such 
speculations and such to suggest otherwise. And in fact, some say even the Jeep is still equal to, if not even some cases, better, despite having a solid axle rather than the Jeep's independent axle. Now we'll come to the interior. So that's the off-road capabilities, but what about road stuff? Now I'm going to get to interior in a minute, like I just said, but let's just talk about road work. Now there's no denying one thing, though. Jeep is not meant for the road. It can drive on the road great, and it's not bad, but if you're going to compare it to a Bronco or any other thing like that, it has its flaws. I mean, the infamous death waddle is enough to scare the shit out of anybody out of buying a used Bronco. This, but the fact is, is that the Bronco, with its independent suspension all the way around, and, Bron and Jeep's none, the problem is, is that it has an uncomparable ride quality all the way around. Especially even if you get mud tires in that. Now, mud tires have been famous for having loud noises and generally uncomfortable to drive. But even in the Bronco, the mud tires seem a lot more comfortable and solid than they do in, for example, its Jeep counterpart. So on the road, I would say that the Jeep still wins. And while the Bronco is putting up a good fight off-road, I would say that the Jeep wins off-road, Bronco wins on-road. And that's only a slight for Jeep on the off-road capabilities, because with all the gizmos and that, it's hard, very hard, to beat the Jeep over the Bronco on that, because it's just, it's just so many goodies. Now, let's get to the interior. Now, this is where things start to get a little bit more even. Now, the Ford interior has got a very nice touchscreen, very nice features inside, and it feels not like an off-roading capability, but more just like you're sitting in a standard SUV. I mean, yeah, you have exposed bits on the doors, but overall, it's pretty decent on the interior. And the doors are a big advantage, for example, in the Bronco. Now, some say the Jeep is a better and the Bronco is better, but overall, the Bronco is still just a little bit easier to remove. Putting them on, well, that might prove more challenging, but in order to remove them, it's a lot easier to take them off as it's only one or two bolts. And on top of that, you can also store them in the back of the truck. Now, so you don't have any place to put anything back there anymore, but you don't have to, for example, the Jeep, take these off and try to find somewhere to cram them, either in your garage or at the trailhead. But the interior overall, though, while it has its features, it's got the fancy cameras, the gizmos, the gadgets, and a huge touchscreen, which both, both have a huge touchscreen, but I would say that it has its disadvantages. For example, I still prefer the Jeep's Uconnect touchscreens over the Broncos. I've looked at Broncos and I've looked at Jeeps and I've looked at reviews of both. I've yet to get into a Bronco entirely, but I've looked around and I've had reviews and even outing a expedition on my family, I've kind of figured out that there, there are touchscreens that ain't bad, but they're not good either. The Uconnect system is just, it just seems natural. It's very easy to work around, very easy to use. But the big thing for me, at the end of the day, while Bronco may have its more comfortable seats and fancier gizmos inside the interior, one thing that it's lacking is feel and durability. When you get into a Jeep, you feel like if you needed to, you could take a tow strap, hook it up to the handlebars on the inside of that A-pillar, and drag your Jeep out of the mud. You do not feel the same way in a Bronco's. In fact, it's a little nerve-wracking because it feels like they're about to come off. With one hand, I could practically jiggle the A-pillar handle relatively easily. So it's a big disadvantage in the Bronco, and I think that the interior thing, while it has fancier gizmos, doesn't quite stand up to the scrutiny of Jeep's durability, and I feel this might be a problem later on. And it might even be indication in the roof panels that recently came out and were recalled due to paint peeling is one excuse, but I'm sure also the roar noise people complained about. Now, overall, both of these vehicles are billion trucks, and both can be priced out relatively similar. The Bronco's a tad, tiny bit more expensive, there's no denying that, but for what you get, it's a relatively good deal, I mean, for both of these things. But it comes down to a matter of availability at the end of the day, in this case. And whether you like it or not, you can't get a Bronco. 
unless you're willing to wait a year or a half, year and a half, you're probably not going to get a Bronco anytime soon. Now, if you find one lucky enough in, on the wild dealership lot, I highly doubt you will. Yeah, I would say it's not a bad idea to maybe do a little comparison shopping, despite it's exciting to bond and just buy it right away because it's hard to get. So, overall, I'd still say, despite... Bronco coming out this. I'm leery of buying a first year. I'm leery of the interior quality, which I've felt myself and I've looked around and it's not the best. And along with the fact that I'm given more options in the Jeep, yeah, it's got its problems on the road, but to be honest, am I buying this vehicle to, for road comfort? Nah, I'm buying it for off-road. So the fact is, I'm going with the Jeep at the end of the day. Now, there's one big advantage also that Jeep has that I forgot to mention. That even if you want a Bronco later on, it proves it'll be a better vehicle. Jeeps hold their value better than any other vehicle on the road. I mean, literally, a Jeep that's three years old and had almost 40,000 miles on it could still only sell maybe two or 3,000 below its MSRP, which is astounding. It's amazing. The fact that a car literally can hold its value that well, even after being sold off the lot. I mean, normally you get that depreciation just driving the car off the lot, not 40,000 miles and three years later. Overall, I would say that, yes, I would say if you're interested in buying a Jeep or a Bronco, I would suggest the Jeep, and even if at the end of the day you want to get a Bronco later on, you can still probably get that Jeep traded in for a very, very good market value. So, again, in my opinion, go with the Jeep, because it's a little better car, in my opinion, just as far as fit and finish goes, and who knows, maybe in the end of the day, as Bronco improves, it may be proved wrong, hopefully so. But, that's my opinion, and... In my opinion, the winner of this knockout battle is the Jeep Wrangler. So, if you're interested, go order yours today. Or if not, buy the Bronco. It's up to you. Anyways, this has been my car review, the Runkin car review for the day. If you're interested in this rambling bullshit, I would advise you to su subscribe and give me a like. Or if you don't, well, eh, oh well, I'm doing this for fun. Anyways, with that being said, and my winner being chosen... Have a wonderful day and a wonderful night.